Guys, I finally found a dress shoe that's totally comfortable. Kenneth Cole has created this amazing rebound system in their latest Technicole footwear. This system in their FuturePod Oxfords has memory foam layers that target key pressure points on your foot and impact pods in the sole that absorb shock just like a sneaker. You gotta feel these FuturePod Oxfords for yourself. And right now, you can get 25% off a pair. Just go to kennethcole.com and enter code KC25 at checkout. You won't believe a shoe this stylish can feel this good. So step into the future with the rebound system from Kenneth Cole. This is 1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports. Thanks for joining us today on the 137 Podcast. I'm Kevin Smith, and I'm the Grind Editor. Um, and today we have Angela Yee, uh, one-third of The Breakfast Club on Power 105.1. Um, to kick it off, Angela, first of all, welcome. Thanks Thank for you, joining Kevin. us. Um, to kick it off, uh, can you talk to me a little bit about how you got started in broadcast? Uh, I started in radio, well, my background's really in marketing. And I started doing radio after having worked for Eminem, for his clothing line, uh, they launched the Shade 45 station at Sirius. So I was really trying to do marketing at Sirius. I put a call into Paul Rosenberg. That was that, That's Eminem's manager slash business partner. And I told him, I said, look, can you just refer me to this position that I saw that was open? I was looking at like hot jobs or something. And I saw there was an open position in the marketing department. And I thought that would be something interesting for me because I've always been a big music person and satellite radio was still pretty new. And he said, you know, we're looking for somebody to do the morning show with Cypher Sounds. You should try for it. I don't know if you'll get it because that's not completely up to me, but we can definitely make sure you at least can audition. And so that's really how it happened. Oh, that's awesome. That's really good. Um, So you just knew Paul Rosenberg from being in the city or around? Well, interestingly enough, I know Paul Rosenberg from... When I was in college, <laughs> I used to date this guy, right? And his brother was a rapper. And his brother was in a uh, this group. And I guess they were cool with Eminem. And this was before Eminem was signed. And he was doing Lyricist Lounge. Okay. And he was coming to New York. And he would always, like, hang out with them in Jersey. And so that's how I knew Paul Rosenberg from back when he was trying to get Eminem signed. And then I worked for Wu-Tang. And I had Eminem open up for Wu-Tang for this event, Park Hill Day. It was like an outdoor event for the kids. So it was like free everything and they had a free concert. And it was always all the guys from Wu-Tang and Staten Island would come and perform. And then it would be like boot camp, click, and whoever else they were cool with would come and perform. And so I had Eminem come and open up for them. And that's really just how our relationship started. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I didn't actually know that because I was doing some research on you and, you know, I was just trying to find out some background and everything. And that's a cool little fact. Um, So what makes you get out of bed every morning? Like, what's one of your motivations for that? Besides, obviously, you know, the money. (laughs) Well, I think when you do radio, you have to feel a responsibility to your listeners. So the listeners, it's a routine for them, just like we have our routines. If you turn on the TV and all of a sudden the news that you watch in the morning or whatever you watch isn't on, you'll feel away. So I always feel bad if I don't go to work and I feel obligated to be there to do my responsibility. I know Envy and Charlemagne hate doing the rumors and they hate doing front page news. So I know that there's things that people kind of look to me for. So that's really what it is. Just a responsibility to our listeners. 
Definitely. That's awesome. So what time do you wake up in the morning? Four o'clock. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Early. It takes me like a half an hour to get out of bed, though. Yeah, that's what I, that for me, too. I like to sit later. Yeah. You know? I wake up at four o'clock and I definitely press snooze like four times, but I'm really awake the whole time, but I'm just laying there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that means you go to bed at since you wake up at four, like, I guess it depends. Yeah, it depends. I would love, I was just saying yesterday on Twitter, I would love to go to bed earlier. And I want to take some time to do that. It's hard sometimes, though. There's so many things that are happening in the evening that you have to go to and things that I have to do. And sometimes it's just hard to fall asleep at night because I don't think my body is wired to fall asleep at like eight o'clock. Mm -hmm. Just like I don't think I'll ever be wired to just wake up at four o'clock. Right. No, definitely. Um, so let's kind of switch gears a little bit. And can you talk to me about your thoughts on radio right now? Now, where you think it's headed? I think radio is, um, you know, it's interesting because some people will act like radio is like getting extinct, but it's just different forms of radio now. We have a lot of options, but certain things like FM radio is always going to be really accessible for people, especially when they're in the car and they're headed to work. And I think for us, as far as the, the Breakfast Club, we're also on Revolt TV. So I know people watch us in the morning and it, it airs back to back, you know, for the West Coast and for the East Coast. So I know people are very visual. So part of what we have to do in radio is understand that people like to see as well nowadays. So we film our interviews. And a lot of people know us from YouTube more than anything, even just from watching, from listening on the radio or watching on Revolt. They see a lot of the clips go viral. And then they watch the interviews on YouTube. And then we also have a podcast of the show. It's kind of like in order to survive during this time, you have to have all of those things lined up. You have to have the video. You have to have the podcast. You have to have the uh, internet presence. You have to just do all of that in order for people to still even know you exist. Definitely. So, Angela, you work with DJ Envy and Charlemagne the God on Power 105, the radio station. Talk to me a little bit about you guys' chemistry, because everybody kind of has a, a role that they play. Obviously, it's interchangeable. But what is the chemistry like with you and your colleagues? So Charlemagne is what we call the, quote, lovable asshole. Sometimes you can take the word lovable out. And uh, DJ Envy is the family guy slash DJ. And for myself, I'm the one that I guess, does the research and kind of keeps them in check. <laughs> so that's what the roles have been on the show. And obviously, yes, they are interchangeable at times. But I, I think we're pretty good. People kind of know what they can expect from us. And we kind of, it's just really who we are. So sometimes, yeah, most of the time we don't agree on things, I Definitely. would say. <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of times... Envy and Charlemagne can be sort of ignorant to things you and think? you'll have to, ex a lot of things, and you'll have to explain or walk them through things, you know, which I think is very valuable, but sometimes they still don't get it. Like we argue a lot about things that have to do with women because they think mm -hmm. they know what women feel and want more than a woman knows. Right. You know, like we were just having an argument today about like, being a mother or something versus being a father. And we were having this discussion about it and a whole lot of women, and I just had a whole panel discussion with a bunch of women who are mothers and mm -hmm. wives about balancing home life and work life. And I was like, I'm sure women would love for, cause you know, apparently with raising their kids, you know, they were basically saying the women hold it down way more than they do and they don't know how to do certain things. I said, I'm sure 
your wives would love for you guys to step in and actually be more partners in that because a lot of women were expressing that. They were saying that on the panel that I was on and they were saying that was one of the things that they had to work on in their marriages and then women were DMing me and telling me, oh my God, I would love a break sometimes and they're like, how do you, you know, how would you know what that, like, I'm just telling you what they're saying, like right. what women are saying and a lot of my friends are women who are mothers and wives and they do feel like that. And so, yeah, we do sometimes uh, bump heads on things and I try to explain it. And some things that seem like very logical to me, like, of course, somebody wants, you know, if they work a full time job and you work a full time job and you guys both come home. But the woman still has to take care of the kids and make dinner and make sure you're good while you're watching TV. Of course, she would love for you to help. I mean, I think that's a no brainer. (laughs) That makes sense to me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to me a little bit more about podcasts. You have a podcast, correct? Mm -hmm. I have lip service. That's my podcast. Awesome. And you've been doing lip service actually before The Breakfast Club. Yeah, I actually started lip service at Sirius. It was a weekly show and it used to come on. It was on Wednesday nights. And I think I switched the day to Thursday at one point. I can't remember. But yeah, I started there and then... I didn't do it for a while. And then I brought it back because so many people still talk about lip service and how mm-hmm. much they love the show. And even the artists would say to me, what happened to that show lip service that you used to do? So mm-hmm. it made me feel like, OK, maybe it is time for me to bring something like that back. And I didn't see a lot of that happening, like another podcast like it when I first relaunched it. So I thought it was just a good space for us to be in. Definitely. How do you find time to do your main job and lip service and all of the other things that commitments that you have too? I add some extra hours to the day (laughs) I mean I really just have to not think about what I have to do I always am really big on looking at my schedule and then instead of it gets overwhelming when you think too hard about it so I just go so I might look at my schedule and be like okay I just got to make it through today that's my feeling every day like I just got to make it through today I just got to make it through to the weekend and so that's really how I do it and it's also certain days that I'll make sure I don't have a lot going on Mm -hmm. so I can just go to work and come home and that might happen once a week that didn't happen at all this week but (laughs) sometimes it does happen I try no definitely um You've interviewed tons and tons of notable people. Do you think that there's a common thread amongst the people that inspire you? Yeah, the people who inspire me are usually very humble. Um, and people that I can, you can tell are very good-hearted people. I love people like that. I love people that are respectful. Um, and yeah, I think humility is one of my big things. There's so many people in this business that become successful and they're very arrogant and condescending to people. And I can't stand that. And so the people that I like the best are the ones that are, you know, just still like excited to be there, happy, you know, how to make sure the interview is interesting. And a sense of humor is always important to me. Like I love a good sense of humor. So I think those are humility and humor. They both start with hum. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Great. So, you know, do you think <laughs> this is a random question, but do you think that Candy, maybe Candy Burris, maybe was inspired by your lip service <laughs> and what you did? You know, the topics for the people who don't know lip services, you know, kind of a sexy sort mm-hmm. of podcast and everything. Do you think that Candy maybe got inspired from her dungeon talks or whatever? From what you know, you did? I don't know. I mean, I do know people that have worked with her um, and they did say, oh, Candy loves the show. And I think that. There's, there's a lot more shows like it now. And I know like one of my co-hosts, she gets so mad about it. But I also feel like everybody likes to talk about relationships and sex. So mm-hmm. 
it's only a matter of time. So I can't say for sure because she's never told me that. But we actually have her on an upcoming episode of Lip Service next week. Oh, nice. That's mm-hmm. awesome. A little synergy there. Yeah, no, I love Candy and I love what she's doing and I love the products that she has. And, um, you know, she has the whole dungeon tour going on mm-hmm. now. So I think it's great when people can embrace their sexuality, especially for women of color, because so many times, I think a lot of times in our communities, they act like it's such a taboo thing. Mm -hmm. And to even make jokes about things and to be labeled a whore and things like that, I think we have to get over those stigmas and be able to embrace that and talk about it because that's how we're going to be more educated on things that we like and don't like. That's how we're going to open up about things. That's how we actually teach each other. And so I always look at lip service as an educational show also. Definitely. I think that's a good way to look at it. I think that we're in a very interesting time right now where we're kind of transitioning from all of the rules and stigmas of a previous generation and kind of moving forward. So I think that shows like that are very helpful, you know, for all women. And speaking of women, do you have any advice for female entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general who sort of want to, you know, kind of break out from their nine to five? Yeah, I think that the first thing I would say is to have a real plan. A lot of people have things that they want to do, but don't have a plan on how to execute those. And then once you have that plan, and it's really important to write things down and research. So I think it's important to start with that. And then think of ways that your business or whatever it is that you want to do is going to be marketed and what makes it different from other things that exist or better. Mm-hmm. And because there's very few ideas that are original. It's not too many things you can come up with that no one has come up with before. So just think about what can make your idea original and what can make it successful for you. Because I've heard people say, I want to do this. I want to do that. Help me. And you're like, okay, but you haven't even done the work to show me that's really what you want to do. Do the work. I think if you want people to invest in you and invest in your idea. And when I say invest, I don't even necessarily mean raising money invest, but invest like support. You have to show how passionate you are about something. And one way of showing how passionate you are about something is doing the work. I think all too often we have an idea. It's a great, you know, it sounds like a great idea. And then we just don't bother trying to figure out the best way to execute that idea. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different steps. And learn how to write a business plan. Figure out if there's some place like the small business services that we have here that can actually assist you in getting any type of classes that you have to take or certifications Mm -hmm. that might help. Just do all of those things. Do your homework. And that way you have less chance of failure. And I mean, failure is a regular part of the process, which people sort of should be aware of as well. But being prepared so that the next so that if you do fail the next time, you know, and also just have a less chance of it. Like so you're not putting all this money into something that's not going to work, because a lot of times we do end up wasting money by not Mm -hmm. doing the research and spending money on things that we shouldn't. And. Honestly, like invest in yourself. Don't try to just get other people to spend money on you. If you don't invest in yourself, why would anybody else want to invest in you? If they're like, well, how much have you invested in your own business? And you're like, uh, sweat equity. No, you need to be investing money because I'm not going to risk my money if you're not even risking your own money on yourself. Right. right. That's very real. Um, Speaking of passion, you have a passion project, which is your juice bar. Mm -hmm. And so can you talk to me a little bit about that? How did you come about opening it and... Oh, so we have Juices for Life in BK, Brooklyn, Juices for Life, Brooklyn. And that'll be open for three years in September. And that was something that I approached Styles P about. He has three other juice bars already in Yonkers and in the Bronx. And I wanted to do one in Brooklyn just because, you know, we get up early. Mm-hmm. And that is what has really helped me 
be stay maintain my health and just not get exhausted during the day, not be so run down. Just what you put in your body is so important. And even me knowing that is a process. I have not always been the healthiest. I've gone through all kinds of stages in my life. There's still plenty of things I do that's not healthy. But if I can reset every morning and have a juice, it really is beneficial for me. So I wanted to bring something like that to my neighborhood in Brooklyn just because I felt like it would benefit other people. And I was like, I have an idea. I'm going to go for it. So I told Styles P. I went to his video shoot and I said, I want to do this. And he said, OK, you know, find a spot. And so, of course, I went, found a spot and handled everything from there. Where is it? It's in Best Eye, 277 Malcolm X Boulevard, to be exact. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so now I have another business launching because that inspired me to start Drink Fresh Juice. And that actually is starting to ship out in two days. So it's a brand new business, you know, drinkfreshjuice.com. And it's pressed cold pressed juices. And so now people can order these. And I just was inspired because a lot of people wish we could open a store in their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And obviously we can't do that everywhere. So... I started this press juice business so that you can order these juices and have them delivered to you and try them out and see if you like it. Hopefully you do. I always encourage people to make things at home also, but this is so convenient. Like I buy press juices all the time and they last a couple of months so you can put them in the fridge and take them to work and whatever. And that has really helped me so much. So I'm excited about that. That's another brand new business that I just uh, created and invested into my own money, my own sweat equity. And so that's what's next. What's the website going to be? Drinkfreshjuice.com. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So if you guys want to try that out, definitely check it out. Um, So to kind of switch gears a little bit again, I'm, I'm interested in what your opinion is of what are some of the coolest interviews that you've been a, pro- a part of? Uh, when I was at Sirius, I mean, my interviews at Sirius uh, were really fun. I think uh, Jay- my first Jay-Z interview was really great because that's how I actually ended up getting hired after my audition period at Sirius. So that was always going to be a good one. Eminem, because I've interviewed him so many times, and I know a lot of people will never interview Eminem. So that's always cool for me just to be able to sit down with him. Like, I remember we did his book, when he came out with his book um, and then also just uh, being able to go and interview him like backstage, things like that, that people, you know, that's like who gets to interview him. Right, it's so, very rare. Yeah. Have you learned anything from him or from those conversations? Um, I mean, yeah, he likes to joke around a lot, but then he can get um, serious when you talk to him in that way. So, yes. And I think people have this perception of him that he's like so elusive, but he's really like very regular. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't see him out all the time. That's all it is. Well, I feel like he kind of main he works to maintain that regular aspect by kind of staying away and out of the public eye and not giving everybody, you know, an right. interview who asked. Yeah. And I think that's just how he is, too. Okay. Like, I don't even think he wants to be famous. Mm -hmm. You know, some people like people will say that, but I really think he's like that. Like he doesn't he wants to be able to go and, you know, eat at the local diner and whatever and hang out with his daughter and go to the movies. But it's hard because of who he is. And like he hasn't even you know, he's still back in Michigan. Mm -hmm. He's not even like, I'm going to move to Hollywood. Right. (laughs) You know, so um, there's that I've interviewed. You know, I like this J.B. Smoove interview that I did at Sirius, too, just because I loved his story about being on Curb Your Enthusiasm and how he got the role and just having like a crazy day and a crazy time and making that happen for himself. It was really inspiring to me. So that one, Issa Rae, I really like her a lot. So when we've interviewed her at at um, Power at um, iHeart, that's always been really great for me, too. Just so many people like 
that I think have inspirational stories and that are funny. It's always good to me when people do interviews and they're very open and really mm -hmm. funny. And, mm -hmm. you know, Webby is always a good interview when we did his. That was pretty hilarious. He was mm -hmm. all over the place. Definitely. What about Kodak Black? Oh, yeah. Kodak Black. <laughs> that was different when he came in with the ski mask. And mm -hmm. I was like, he just came in here to not speak to us. And then the second time it was way better. and He was excited about it. Uh -huh. But that was random. We've had interviews like that, like Chief Keefe came in like that. And uh -huh. he doesn't really do interviews at all. Uh -huh. So I actually set that up and he came in and he really wasn't trying to answer any questions for real, <laughs> which is it gets frustrating. But it's also like, OK, what are we doing? No, definitely. I feel like from my perspective, when watching the interviews and everything, you seem like the person that's the most prepared. <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seems like you've done your research. You have all the questions ready to go and everything, you know. So that's why, you know, you're one of my favorites out of there because you are super professional all the time, especially in this sort of situation where, you know, people may not have as much respect for women, honestly, as, you know, they will for the men. Yeah, but you still me, hold know. your own, you know? <laughs> but responsibility is big. Just like I say, I feel like I have a responsibility to the listeners. I never want somebody to come in and feel like I didn't even do my research because mm -hmm. I think that's so disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And so if you give me something ahead of time, if I get the book ahead of time, if I get a link to a screener of something ahead of time, I'll watch it because I want to show you the respect of you taking the time out of your day to come to the show. I want to show how much I respect that and so anytime I get it sometimes we don't get things ahead of time so there's only so much I can do mm -hmm. but whenever we do I try to make sure that I have that all lined up definitely definitely so um throughout your early career you were grinding you know working very hard and everything what was the moment where you kind of knew you had made it uh can you pinpoint one I don't know I still feel like sometimes I haven't made it yet but I think maybe when we ended up getting syndicated, that was a big deal because that doesn't happen mm -hmm. very often in radio. So it, it, there's probably been a few different times that I felt good about myself, even leaving Sirius. But I wouldn't say I felt like I made it then when I left to go and work at iHeart. It was nice that they were several different radio stations that were courting me and trying to get me to come mm -hmm. and offering me all kinds of things like, you know, different incentives. I remember one station offered to like flip the name of the whole station and call it 100 point Yee instead of, oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was like, this is amazing that people really want me like they're that bad. And it was a few different stations trying to get me to come there. And I, I, I felt really great about myself because I do feel like I had a late start in radio compared to everybody else. That had been doing it from when they were young because I had a whole other career. Uh oh, okay. Yeah, I had a whole other career before that. That wasn't something other people went to school for it mm -hmm. and they had been doing this since they were teenagers. You know, even just my co host, Charlamagne and Envy, both of them have been in radio from a way younger age than I have. Mm -hmm. And so I got like a 10 year delayed start, you know, from when they first started. Mm -hmm. And so it's good to see that even though I got a later start than most people, I still was able to become successful. Definitely. Well, I think there's a lesson in there. You know, everybody always is pushing this idea that you have to go to school for this one thing and right. that you can end up there. But I think that it's really cool how you sort of remixed and created your own path to it. And I think that that's inspiring to a lot of younger people. So mm -hmm. speaking of that, what's some advice you have for some younger people trying to break into the industry? 
I'm to be patient because a lot of people are so impatient. Mm -hmm. They want it now. They want to know why this person has that, why that person has that. Be patient. Don't compare yourself to other people or other people's journeys. Yours will definitely be different and you should want it to be different and you should enjoy that journey and learn as much as you can along the way and go really hard. Like you would say, you got to grind because a lot of people want to, I find, get into this business quick. They think that, okay, I did my internship. Now, how do I get on the air? And it's like, just relax. You just did an internship. Just work your way up. Work for somebody. Learn those things. I, it took me a long time to get to where I got to it, but it wasn't the traditional way. But it still did take a long time. And so I think it's also important to respect people who've been doing things longer than you and might have more knowledge than you do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people are like, oh, they need to move out of there and I want to take that spot. Like, that's not how it works. Right, because you're grinding and working for your spot right. just as much as, you know, the younger Sometimes people Sometimes people are. think insulting other people that are in a position that you want to be in is a way to go, and you can't do that. Like, you can't say things like... You know, I'm coming for your spot. I'm about to. No, that's not going to really be right, flattering to anybody. <laughs> you should really be looking for somebody to mentor you. But don't be mad if someone doesn't have the time necessarily to do that. Like, I know how busy I am. So when people ask me certain things, I'm like, I could I can do whatever I can. But you really have to bring something to the table. So if you say to me, OK, like I have an intern now and she's like, do you need me to do anything for you? Some extra stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I could use some clips to lip service. So she's been helping me by doing those. And then she'll just randomly send me like a bunch of different clips that she worked on. Mm -hmm. And that's really helpful. And that's somebody I'll look at and be like, okay, Aaliyah, you know what? If I can find something for you, I'm going to help you. I'm going to hook you up. Mm -hmm. And so when people can give you some type of service or do something that they know that you need or offer you advice, like, girl, I was watching this and I love how you do this, but you know what would be really dope? I have an idea. You should do da 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 da. Like things like that, I think are really show that you have that extra uh, drive. Definitely, definitely. So you had mentioned something that I thought was interesting. You say that nowadays a lot of people expect things to happen very quick for them. Do you think that maybe that's a result of maybe that social media generation that we live in where <laughs> things are Things come so quickly, you know, or seemingly quickly. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times, you know, we see a story of an artist that did their first song ever. It was their first time in the studio and then they went and got a beat online and uploaded it. And all of a sudden, bang, they got a record deal. And people want things to happen like that. And I think sometimes people also aren't honest about all the work they put into things because they want to make it seem like it was so easy. You know, like, oh, I wasn't even trying and this just happened. That's There's nothing real. wrong with trying <laughs> and making something happen. And I think it's important to show that journey. And also, I feel like when people see things, they don't pay attention to you until they know who you are. So they didn't know all those years and years and years before you got to this point, what you were doing and what you were up to mm -hmm. to get you to that point. So they're just like, they're doing that. I could do it, too. Or they might look at reality TV and see somebody that they're like, this person doesn't even work or do anything or have a talent. How are they famous? And I'm not. People really think like that. Oh, all I got to do is act up. All I got to do is put out a sex tape. And it's not that easy. No, not at all. Not at all. So what do you think are some bad recommendations that you hear in your profession or area of expertise? Um, as far as bad recommendations for... As far as like, you know, for people who want to like up their career or trying to do what you want to do or mm -hmm. work in radio, you know, because I'm sure you hear all the good stuff about how you can make it in radio. But right. what are some bad things that you may hear other people telling people of how to make it sort of? 
Um, go on reality TV and act up because no. <laughs> people really feel like that. Uh, fake relationships. I know people that will, you know, work really hard to try to find somebody they think they could hook up with just for the sake of getting more attention and staying relevant on social media. Anything that you feel like is just great for social media attention is not a good recommendation because that just means that you're being superficial and you want to superficially act like you're doing something that you're not. You know, fake beef is always corny. So trying to act like you have a problem with somebody you don't really have a problem with just because the cameras are rolling. Things like that, I think, are terrible ideas. Sometimes people don't think about the long term of how you put yourself out there and what other people's perceptions are of you. And they think like, okay, you know, I saw this work for this person. They acted crazy on TV. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to make this video go viral. People try really hard to go viral, and that's when it doesn't work. Right, because it's like, inauthentic. Yeah. yeah. So things that go viral are things that, like, are un usually it's unintentional. Mm -hmm. So people try really hard, like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it go viral. I'm going to ask this person to post it, this person, this person, this person. You know, I think a lot of times uh, people don't do the development that, is necessary to mm -hmm. get them to a certain point because you go viral, now what? You have to have a plan. Right. Sustainability. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so in the last five years, what have you become better at saying no to? Could it be distractions, invitations, et cetera? And kind of, well, I'll let you answer that first. <laughs> I am definitely better at saying no to invitations. It's hard for me still, but... People have to realize that I work so much. I barely get any downtime. So I've gotten better at saying no, for sure, because I used to say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. Just because, again, I told you, I feel like so responsible and so much obligation mm -hmm. to do certain things. Um, so that's for sure. I've gotten better at saying no to... Um, Spending money, because I used to, I mean, I spend money now, but it's more investment type of money. Mm -hmm. But I used to just be like free flowing, like, okay, no, I got dinner. I got this. I got that. Right. And I've had to learn to cut back on those things because, you know, I don't know if I'll always have this. And I also have so many other things that I'm doing. I have houses in Detroit that I'm working on right oh, now. I awesome. have this business that, like I said, is launching in two days. Mm -hmm. And so it's so many things that I have to take care of that I've had to tighten up in a lot of areas. Definitely. So from from you learning, from you becoming better at saying no, were there any like new realizations or approaches that helped you? Um, I think certain times it's also like people take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. And so I have to realize that there's a lot of things I do for people that they wouldn't do for me. Mm -hmm. And so that realization helped me out a lot. And it's not even like I take offense to that. I just have to sometimes stop putting my going out of my way to help people when they don't appreciate it or they wouldn't reciprocate those things. Mm -hmm. um, so that definitely is something that you have to take into consideration. And then if somebody really cares about you, they'll understand she's exhausted or she just can't do it. Her schedule, she finally has a night to be at home. I understand instead of being like, come on, please. Like, I think that's so whack now. Yeah. And that's going to really make me not do something. <laughs> For sure. Um, so when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or have lost your focus temporarily, what do you do? I used to shop, but I don't even have time to do that now. So <laughs> what do I do? So I've been writing a lot lately. So I haven't even had time to do that. But I read. And I love reading books and that does help me a lot. That helps me like just kind of like calm down and relax. I love to like lay in my bed and read a book and fall asleep like that. Mm -hmm.
Do you maybe ask yourself any questions during that time that sort of help you maybe get your focus back? Or? The best time for me to really talk to myself in my head is when I run. And I haven't done that in a while because it's been cold, but I'm excited the weather is finally starting to break here in New York. And that really is the time that I do the most thinking and come up with the most ideas. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, what's the most difficult thing about your job? Getting up early. Getting up early is the most difficult thing about my job, hands down. Like everything else I could do. If I could be at work at like noon, <laughs> this would be amazing. Right. Let me tell you. Waking up early is definitely the hardest part. Definitely. So you envy the 12 to 4 people? <laughs> um, I envy that I envy that they get to sleep in right. and do stuff. But I mean, morning shows really are great mm-hmm. just because of the way it's structured. So I do love that. I wish that morning started at noon. and we'd be all good in a perfect world Um, so you spoke about books a second ago what is the book or books that you've given the most as a gift and why Um, oh my god I used to love giving people the art of seduction (laughs) (laughs) but now oh and back in the day I used to love this book called The Operator and I used to recommend that everybody get that book and it was about David Geffen and how he got started it was like an unauthorized biography I thought that book was really interesting, um, just how he was kind of a fake it till you make it kind of person. And you see how successful he's been now. Uh, now Rogers has a great book that I love uh, reading about his story. And because I, I used to work for him, so I know him personally. And so I think he's really fascinating and so many things that people don't know about him as a person, as an artist, as a creative. Um, other books... I'm trying to think if I give books as gifts. As also, much. maybe some books that influence your life, too, if you can't think of any that you give as a gift. Um, yeah. I mean, look, I've books have influenced everything. I mean, growing up, like, I learned about, you know, getting your period from Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. I think every girl <laughs> read that book. <laughs> Not guys. I don't know if any guys have read that book. Maybe. I don't think I have. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should totally read that. Um uh, it's so many things you learn. Like, I remember reading this book called Dini and I learned all about what um, scoliosis was. It's like so many things that you learn about just from reading a book about it. Um, there's this book called The Girl Who Escaped from ISIS mm-hmm. that's out. And oh, I wow. thought that's an excellent book because I think for people that aren't understanding of the prejudices that you have against Muslim people, that's an excellent book for you to read to understand how Muslim people don't like terrorists. And you need to read this book to understand that those two things are not synonymous with each other at all in any way. And I think reading books really helps you have a better understanding of other people and have empathy and even question yourself. So that's always an important thing to do. Definitely. I agree with that 100 percent. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior or habit has most improved your life? I would say my diet. You know, I've actually, so I haven't had red meat in like 26 years, right? So I don't eat red meat at all. I haven't had pork since I was like a little, little kid. Um, I never ate seafood, but I still eat chicken. I eat so much of it because I don't eat those other things. Mm -hmm. So I've really cut back on that. And that has been helpful for me. You know, you watch stuff like What the Health and you're like, damn, I got to stop doing this. So that I think has made me feel better. You know, and and I think people always say, oh, you look so much younger than what you are. And I do attribute a lot of that to my diet Um, and drinking more water. That's something everyone has to do. Even I still always have to do that. Um, And so in the last five years, other things that are really great for me, massages. I never used to get massages. I always thought it was like a waste of time and money. 
But I need them now because I'd be hurting. No. <laughs> but massages really are like something that you need. I really want to try acupuncture. Okay. Because I've never done that, but I feel like that could be helpful. But all these flights I have to take and everything, like and carrying bags the and pressure. stuff. And I'm always like, oh, my okay. God, my back is killing me. So that's something that I always thought was a waste. And now I'm like, I got to get these massages. And it feels so good. Like you have to treat yourself. All this hard work doesn't mean anything if you don't treat yourself every now right. and then. You can't like reap, a, you know, the rewards of yes. the work. Um, and so this is like one of my last questions. How has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? Or do you and do you have a favorite failure of yours? Oh, my God, I have a lot of failures. You know what? I was just talking to one of my interns yesterday and I felt so bad for her. Right. She got scammed by Cash App. Somebody not Cash App, but like somebody pretending to be mm-hmm. a representative from Cash App. She cashed up the wrong person. $400 and then she googled the number for Cash App but you know you can't call Cash App right. but she didn't go on the on their app she googled the number and called this like scamming person and ended up giving all her bank account information and they emptied out her bank account oh no that's right. horrible so when I was younger I got scammed and this is funny because I think at some point in life everybody has gotten scammed in some way there was this guy um, his name was Kennedy and he was uh, had like his car dealers whatever license so he could go to the auction and get cars uh-huh. so my brother was like okay Kennedy's gonna get you a card da 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 I gave him all the money I had right I had $8,000 cash and I was like okay good I wanna um, what kind of car did I want I think I wanted like a Nissan Pathfinder or something <laughs> So I was like I want a truck and so he was like okay I'm going to the auction tomorrow I'll call you from the auction I did not hear from him <laughs> <laughs> And the assistant district attorney actually ended up calling me. And I guess he had been scamming like a bunch of different people. Uh But that was a really great lesson for me to learn early on because I have never gotten scammed again after that. But just how careful you have to be in situations like that as far as giving somebody your money. And I felt really bad for her, but I know um, she felt better when we all started telling our stories of how we all got scammed at some point. And there's just so many different things out there. So that was a really uh, big lesson early on. And then when we talk about being prepared and all the work that I do, I remember I had an interview with Dina Von Teese at Sirius and I didn't know anything about her. Mm-hmm. And Cypher was out that day and she had done Howard's turn. So she was coming to us next and I didn't book it. So I guess Cypher had said, OK, and no one told me, but he wasn't even there. And so I still did the interview and I did not know what to ask her. It was so embarrassing. It was awful. I felt terrible. I know she felt awkward. It was disrespectful. So I was like, I will never do that again. And that really helped me to never do that again. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks so much to Angela Yee for joining us at one thirty at the one thirty seven PM podcast. Again, I'm Kevin Smith, the grind editor. And Angela, please tell our listeners where they can find you. At Angela Yee on Twitter and on Instagram. It's Angie M Yee on on uh, Facebook and then Drink Fresh Juice that's the Instagram also and Twitter and then Juices for Life BK that is the Instagram for the juice bar awesome and if they happen to actually be in Brooklyn 277 Malcolm X Boulevard come see us make sure it's the Malcolm X Boulevard in Brooklyn because you know there's one in Harlem and people do that all the time because <laughs> those are two very different places if you're not familiar with New York <laughs> to, put, to put Brooklyn New York not New York New York <laughs> this is 1.37pm own your future Start this minute. 137 p.m. is a Gallery Media Group original production.